Welcome to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and equipped through this podcast as we have conversations with friends from around the world. You can subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own adventures in the Spirit. And now we hope you enjoy today's podcast. We have been going nonstop communicating the love and power of Jesus online, and I thank you so much for partnering with our ministry, praying and giving to expand the kingdom of God. We are all about intimacy with Jesus, and right now we decree and declare Jesus as king in these uncertain times. He has it all under control, and revival is coming. We have a great interview coming up for you, but I want to let you know about our new resource available for you on our website, firebornministries.com, and I believe that it will draw you closer in relationship to the wonderful Holy Spirit. Do you want to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to commune with the wonderful Holy Spirit like never before? Your adventure with Him will grow tremendously as you go through our Fellowship with the Holy Spirit e-course. You can study the course at your own pace on your time. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit will help you know the Holy Spirit more and encounter Him every day. You'll learn His names, His character, His fruit, His personality, and more. Go to FirebornMinistries.com to purchase this life-changing program and start connecting with Him today. I want to welcome you to another episode of Adventures in the Spirit podcast. I'm so excited to be having Sean Dunn of GroundWire.net to be on this program today to share his story, share share what God is doing through his ministry. I'm so excited about what God is doing in him and through him as he sees thousands of people saved every month. Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jared. Great to see you again. Been a while. Yes, sir. It has. I think um, we've chatted a few times. We've kept in touch online uh, over the years, but we met in 2003 at a youth camp. What I remember from that camp is God moved in power, and I saw your heart. And even then, you were a forerunner at that time with gospel spots on secular radio reaching people through Groundwire. Would you mind sharing your story of how God led you to launch Groundwire? Just Yeah, no, happy to. Um, so I, my background is, I uh, was called to ministry at 14 years old, strange kid, had a mission statement. And uh, if you're 14 and you have a mission statement, there's something wrong with you. But I, you know, I still, still, you know, love the chase of the, the girls, not because I wanted to do anything with them, just love the relationships, probably prioritize that too much, probably prioritize sports too much. So I was far from perfect, but I knew that I was called to ministry. Started in the local church ministry at 18, served a local church, served denominationally, and I've been traveling full-time as a speaker and author since 97. Was loving it, was having, you know, was getting every platform that anybody in my shoes would want. Getting to travel with all the top bands and get, I got to stand on the stage and tell people why they were there. You know, the bands could get them in the field. I got to tell them why they were in the field. And I'm an evangelist. I got to, to share Jesus with them. It was December, actually, of 2002, and was praying, preparing, was looking at the past year, looking at the coming year. And, and as I did that, I'd spoken to 150,000 people, and, and my pride was, was through the roof. I thought I was pretty special. I mean, I'd spoken to 150,000 people. People want me to sign things for them. They, you know, it's, I mean, there's just a lot of pride when you stand in front of crowds of 10, 15, 25,000 people every once in a while. And so I was feeling really good about myself. And my, my joke is I was almost looking up to heaven and say, God, if you stick with me, 
I might be able to make something of you. Within two days, God destroyed it. Wow. On purpose. You know, he wanted to strip me of my pride. And he wanted to change my paradigm. Now, the interesting thing is most paradigms shift when it's not working, where what I was doing was working. What happened was two days after that conversation with the Lord, I was reading a George Barna book. And if you know anything about George Barna, George Barna lives to torment church leaders by telling them trends. Yes. And he doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't pretend that it looks better than it is. It basically says, hey, we're losing and we're losing ground quick. And a lot of pastors actually really struggle with, with Barna because of that. And uh, the very first paragraph I read said that there were 33 million teenagers in the United States. And I went from feeling really good about 150,000 to being deflated because I didn't know how to meet the need. The need was 33 million. And I was stuck on 150,000 trying to figure out how do I do addition to get this to a, a reasonable number. And God just kind of got my attention. And for three months, I started to pray differently. I started to say, God, you told me to go. And I'm always saying, come. Right. I know how to get on a plane and go across an ocean to get to another culture. But there's a cultural barrier that exists in our nation that I didn't know how to cross between Christian and non. And so, I'm, I mean, literally three months of saying, God, you told me to go. I was saying, God, you're a creative genius. I'm an idiot. I don't know how to do this. How do we do this? How do we meet this need? Because even if we can triple what we're doing, that's still not even close to what needs to happen. The more I study, the more I realize this is a generation that's running away from the church, not to it. Right. And so that even created a new question. How do you reach a generation that doesn't want to be in the same room with you? Yeah. I mean, because everything I'd ever done in ministry was an invitation. Come where I am, my camp, my conference, my church. I'll meet you there and I'll share truth with you. But what about the ones that won't come? Right. You offer them an invitation. They say, no, I'm too busy. Or no, I'm just not interested at all. So for three months was wrestling. And uh, finally, God got my attention with one statistic. It was a media diet statistic. It was just about where people spend their time. And it was just said that at the time, 97% of the students in the nation listen to the radio at least five times a week. And I thought, man, I can't get 97% to come to a church. Right. If I stand at the door and pay them, I can't get 97% to come to me. So why don't we go where they are? And so we did that. We started doing, as you mentioned, we started doing TV, radio, and billboard, traditional media, and it worked. And we were seeing some good results. But our growth really began to accelerate when I went to our board and I said, we have to observe and honor the data. And the data says this is the most powerful thing that they own. The cell phone and the church ignores it yes and everybody's figured it out pornographers steal innocence with this device yes politicians win elections with this device yep. publicists tell us who we should think are important with this device and we believe them product pushers sell us products we don't want can't afford but the church has said yeah it makes me uncomfortable put it down come talk to me and i went into the board and i said why don't we go where they are and uh, so that's what we started to do and that's really when our growth really began to accelerate Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, because I remember you were doing churches and conferences and things like that for a number of years, but then there was a transition towards the digital realm. About what year was that? So we started doing media on top of the churches and the different conference speaking and things like that. We started doing that in 2003. Really, the accelerant was January of 2017 is when we said digital is where they are. And that was hard for me because. I love sitting down with somebody my age and saying, we are talking about Jesus on MTV. Yeah. Because MTV shaped my generation. Right. Now, 
fact is MTV doesn't have the influence that it used to have, but people my age don't realize that. And so when I told them that they were like all excited, like, that's awesome. You know, we got to go take, take Jesus right into the heart of Snookyville. So we were, you know, kind of going in that direction, but it was January, 2017. I came and I said, Hey, we, this is where it is. And so we decided to, uh, to, to really go wholeheartedly after that. And that's really, I mean, our growth has been, can I, can I share with you some of the numbers? Oh, totally. Please. First, first of all, just understand this, uh, these numbers sound ridiculous. Um, it sounds like I'm making it up because they sound like video game numbers. As a matter of fact, I had a guy in 2018, looked at me and he said, Sean, I don't believe you. Hmm. He said, your numbers are too good. He said, I know how difficult it is to reach millennials and Gen Z. He said, I know how expensive it is to do evangelism. The church struggles with both of those things. And you're telling me you're seeing these numbers. I don't believe you. And with love and a little bit of skepticism in his voice, he said, don't come back and talk to me until you get your numbers validated. But if you get them validated, please come back and talk to me. And so we took that as a challenge. Uh, we went out and we, we called a bunch of foundations and said, who do you trust? And uh, some of the foundations said, you know, there's, there's groups out there that if you've paid them, they'll give you the result that you want. Hmm. But they said, there's one company that we trust because if you let them look under your hood, you have nothing to hide. And so as I, I just share that, because I want you to know that some of you are going to be skeptical as I share this, but these, these numbers have been validated by the number one company in the nation regarding this. In 2016, we, we saw 5,695 people come to Christ in the U.S. Wow. And again, you might say, is that a good number? Well, a couple of reasons, yes. Number one, heaven rejoices over every person who comes to faith. That's right. And secondly, in 2017, George Barna said that the average church in the U.S. sees one person a year come to Christ. Yeah. And so the fact that we, were, that we saw in 2016, 17 people every day come to Christ is pretty exciting. Well, our posture has always been celebrate but never satisfied. Right. God, we're, we're rejoicing over what you've done, but God, we believe there's more people who need to know you. So open the door, teach us how to do it more effectively, make us better stewards. So we went from, from 5,695, the next year it grew to 28,300. The year after that, 44,895. And then last year, we saw 83,970 people. That's 230 people every day. Can you say that statistic again? Last year, can you say that last year's statistic again? 83,970. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I wake up every morning, and I get to see how many people come to faith the the day before and read stories of people who are desperate, who are, you know, hurting. Uh, You know, uh, my favorite story from last year was of a young lady who logged in. Her name was Rachel, and Rachel said, hey, and this is is crazy because this is is something that my generation didn't have to deal with. Usually, the reason people are logging in is they see one of our commercials that that were buying time to get in front of them on one of their social media outlets. And she said, hey, I saw this commercial that said, when life hurts, Jesus cares. Hmm. Does he really care? And she's instantly connected to one of our volunteers, one of our, we're the first organization that 24 hours a day, we have live coaches available. And so she's instantly connected and she has a problem that my generation didn't have to deal with. She said, my husband is transgender. Hmm. I don't know what to do. Wow. And I love him. Well, she's instantly connected to one of our volunteers. His name's Rick and, and Rick did what I probably would have done. He, he probably went like this <gasps> because uh, I mean, they don't teach you how to deal with that. Right. The beautiful thing is because it's all text and instant message. She didn't hear a pause. She didn't see a facial expression. She didn't hear a gasp. All she saw next was as Rick prayed and said, God, I need help. 
how do I deal with this? See, one of the things I firmly believe is that Scripture makes it very clear that we can have wisdom if we need it. We can speak the very words of God, that we can have the mind of Christ. But most of us never put ourselves in a position where we have to rely on anything other than our own experience. We don't want to have to rely on God. Right. But when you're in a situation like that, you have to. And so the Lord just kind of whispered in his heart and said, don't talk about her marriage. Use that word right there. I love that. In describing it, she said, I don't know what to do. It's messing with my identity. And Rick said, let's talk about your marriage later. Let's talk about your identity right now. We weren't created to be defined horizontally, but vertically. There's a relationship that's even more important than this one. There's a God in heaven who loves you, has a plan for your life. And as he began to just just share the gospel with her, some amazing things happened. There were four quotes in the chat that just really grabbed me. The first one was this. She said, I am 27 years old. How is it possible that no one has ever told me God loves me? Wow. I mean, that, that blows me away. In our nation, how is it possible that people are going decades without somebody saying, hey, God loves you and he's for you? She said, I grew up in a church that just, they didn't care. And they told me what I did wrong. And, and I, was, I felt like I was a big disappointment to everybody, parents and God, especially. And Rick just began to say, no. You're loved, loves you, has a plan for your life, and began to, to share the gospel. And she gets to a place where she says, I want this so bad, but I'm freaking out right now. She's basically, because the gospel wasn't being presented as a cozy, nice, it was being presented as lordship, leadership. God, I need you. She ends up praying to receive Christ in her third quote that I loved, favorite one of last year. She said, I'm shaking so bad. Did it take, or do I need to do it again? She was basically saying, I got to know he heard me. Please tell me he heard me. And Rick said, no, he heard you. Forgiven, adopted. You're going to heaven. You never have to do this alone. And her fourth quote was crying buckets right now. Wow. Well, anyway, a week later, she got in her Bible that we'd sent her. She started to read it. She'd gone to a church service for the, really the first time in her adult life. Um, gone, uh, you know, through all these things. Emailed Rick and said, Rick, what do I do now? He said, let's contact the church and find out if there's a small groups thing. So a week later, she said, hey, I went to my first small group. I've never been around people that I really felt like cared about me. And then uh, about a month later, I bumped into Rick. And I said, Rick, how's she doing? And he said, She's doing really well. As a matter of fact, I'm fasting with her today because somebody in our small group recommended we start fasting once a week for her husband. So that's really what it looks like. We found her on her device. She wasn't going to walk into a church. She really wasn't. She, it, it just didn't even compute that church was a, a place that she should go if she had questions. That's this generation. They just don't think like that. You know, there's a lot of great organizations out there for seekers. Well, the problem is, is most Gen Z and millennials, they're not seeking. They're not asking the right questions. So we have to help them ask the right question before then we can suggest the answer. So uh, hopefully that kind of brings some clarity to what we do. And and, uh, yeah, our goal this year, we, we, well, we believe that we can hit a million people come to faith in the next three years in the U S that's, that's the goal that we're going to start promoting that uh, in the next couple of weeks. We, the goal this year is to see 175,000 people come to faith. We've grown 85% year over year the last three years. And if we continue that, we'll hit over a million. And I love that boldness. I, I mean, that step of faith even. You know, I've watched most of your commercials. I think that they're phenomenal. 30 seconds or even a minute, they're, they're, they grab your attention. And then from there, people will go to jesuscares.com or you, you've got a new site called whenlifehurts.com. And from that, people chat with a coach. They come to Jesus 
and then you're also able to plug them into a church. How are you able to set up a network to be able to send people to uh, to churches after the conversation, giving their life to Christ? Yeah, Jared, that's the hardest thing that we do. To be very honest with you, people are very open to Jesus, benefits, you know, life, hope, peace, love. They, they love that. The church, the American millennials believe, 70% of them believe the American church is irrelevant. Right. Now catch the word irrelevant, not I don't hate it. I just don't see a purpose in it. So there's purpose in Jesus. So there's actually a second self for us, which is you need to surround yourself with community. Unfortunately, a lot of churches think that if we open the doors, they will come. They don't understand that the reason that generations are crave church is not because they're walking and saying, I want to better understand Jesus. What they're really, what some of their goals are, are they want community. George Barnes said the number one reason why people who grew up in church walk away is because they can't find community. They say, I go to the tribe. I can go to uh, CrossFit. I find a tribe. I go to a bar. I find a tribe. I go to work. I find a tribe. I go to church. They want me to sit there quietly and then walk out, but make sure I drop some money in. So that's, that's the challenge for us. So um, it is, it is something that we strive to do. We have backup systems that, uh, that grab as much information as we can. Last year, 24.2% of the people who made professions of faith gave us their cell phone number because we promised to continue to, to send them content to help them better understand this thing that they're doing with God. But the, the number of people that are really engaging with church actually is, is uh, significantly lower than that. We'll continue to work on some, some processes, but we do have a church finder on our websites that people can go and hopefully find a church and walk in, but we can't measure that. What we do is we invite people. We say, we have friends in a local church that would love to encourage you. Do we have your permission to give them your information? Hmm. And the churches that just say, just tell them when our services are, we're the best show in town. They're not a good partner church for us. I understand. But it's the partner churches that really work are the churches that say, man, if you send them to us, we're going to have somebody from their peer group reach out. If it's a if it's a single mom, we're going to connect her with the mom's group. If it's somebody who's coming out of addiction, we're going to connect them with Celebrate Recovery. If it's a college, because finding getting them connected to relationship is been the only proven way that we can make sure that they're actually going to stick in a community. Yeah, I love that. I think we need more ministries like yours. As you mentioned, I don't know how many people have digital devices, but you're reaching a digital arena. I believe in doing crusades, gospel events, but I believe in using every method that is available for the gospel. And so you've got this concept of the digital arena. Can you expand on that for our listeners? Yeah, that's, that's funny that you use that uh, phrasing because to being very transparent and blunt with you, one of our challenges is educating the, the, the Christian population, especially the older generations that are sitting there waiting for evangelism and the harvest to take place in the old models of ministry, and they're not happening. And they look at at uh, what we're doing through this device, and they don't understand. But we we actually posted something the other day that that said, you know, the, that we're we're filling an arena. It's just digital. It's the same message. Um, we created this this video that that I really like. It could have been it, the execution on it wasn't great, but what it was is it was a preacher that you know we've all heard before standing at the altar and he's, he's going for, he's, he's winding down. Even with his tone, you can tell he's coming down. He's coming in for landing. And he's saying, if you feel that that's Jesus, he's tugging on your heart right now. He's inviting you into a relationship. He wants to forgive your sins. He wants to do all these things. And then you back away 
And, and he says, he says if, the, if you're sitting in this place right now, and you know that God's calling you into a relationship and you're willing to give your life for him and to him. You want to receive his gift of forgiveness. Just wherever you are in this building, just lift up your hand wherever you are. And the video shoots. Now all of a sudden it circles behind him and you realize he's in a church and it's empty. Mm. There's nobody there. And he said, wherever you are, if you know that you need Jesus, just lift up your hand wherever you are. And it goes to somebody sitting in a coffee shop, staring at their phone. And then all of a sudden you see them raise their hand. You see somebody in a dorm room, raise their hand. Because, and, and we aren't trying to make fun of the church. We're just trying to say, it's impossible to share a message with people who don't want to be in the building with you. But yet they're addicted to that device. Let's use it. Yeah, that's right. Would you mind sharing another story of a life transformed through your ministry? Loved. I mean, the problem is, which one? Um, we we had this kid named Preston. Loved it. He was from uh, he's from Connecticut, and uh, he was on the younger range of what we what we tend to reach. He was thirteen, and he didn't log in because he had spiritual questions. He logged in because he had family issues. He said, "My mom and dad are fighting a lot, and I'm afraid they're going to get divorced. What can I do to keep them together?" And uh, I mean, let's be honest. No thirteen year old kid should have to deal with that. But he's instantly connected with one of our volunteers. Actually, this volunteer is in Mexico. His name's Chris. Chris is an interesting side story in that he went to Mexico to be a missionary, ended up getting married, and now all of a sudden he has responsibility, so he has to raise money. Like, he has to support his family. So they bought a parking garage, okay? So Chris sits in a parking garage booth seven days a week, 12 hours a day. He just takes two tickets an hour on average, but he spends 12 hours a day, seven days a week, online volunteering and telling people about Jesus. One month, uh, I, th I think it was June, either last year or the year before, he led 88 people to Christ by himself from that little booth. But anyway, he's talking to Preston. And so Chris engages with him. He talks to him about, you know, the pressures of, of you know, being a child and, and all these things and, and you know, your family going through this. And he prays for him online. And, and Preston was so touched but then Chris said, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And he goes, no, but I've actually always wanted to ask somebody some things. He said, my family doesn't go to church. Anyway, Chris pours out the gospel to him and Preston just eats it up, just sucks it in. And uh, he said, hey, I want to give my life to Christ. So they pray, he receives Christ. And then Chris says, hey, I want to find a, a church for you. And he said, I don't think my dad will let me go to church. He said, my dad's never been to church. He said, I think he really hates church. And he's had some bad experiences with Christians, so I don't think he'll go. And Chris said, well, I'm going to pray that God opens a door for you to be able to go to church. Preston said, great. They exchanged contact information. We have internal email addresses so that we can protect the chatter and the coach. So uh, they exchanged that information. About a month later, Preston reaches out to Chris and says, hey, Chris, I get to go to church. He said, what happened? He said, I was on the lacrosse field, and I told one of my friends that I just gave my life to Christ. He says, hey, I'm a Christian. Why didn't you come to my youth group with me? And he said, I don't think my dad will let me go, but I'll ask him. My dad let me go. So he was so excited. A month later, he emails him and says, hey, you're never going to believe this. I have never seen my dad in church. I've never seen him cry. But I got baptized last Sunday. And my mom, my dad, my brother, and my sister were sitting in the second row. Man. And he said, as soon as I came out of the water, he said, my dad ran up and gave me a hug and he was crying. No joke. A month later, he emails Chris again. And he said, hey, Chris, today I was sitting in the second row. 
Amen. And my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, they all got baptized. He said, we went home. And he said, my dad sat us down. And he said, listen, I realize it's been kind of a war zone around here. He said, but we're going to do the best we can to try and figure out how to honor the Lord in this home. So, I mean, just, I, I get to read those stories every day from people that are just God's transforming lives, but they would never walk into a church if they were, can I, can I actually share a couple things about this? That, that <laughs> crazy. So in, in our, in our world, in our nation, most of us have an understanding of church, even if we didn't grow up in it, we know. And, and I've heard people say we, we live in a post Christian culture. I would argue, I think we teeter between post-Christian and pre-Christian. Hmm. Post-Christian says, I don't go, but I know what they think and I know what they do. Pre-Christian says, I don't go. My mom didn't go. My grandma didn't go. I really don't know what they do over there. And we, we're finding that this is, so the, my challenge to everybody uh, viewing this or listening to this is you need to understand that, that the people who are not walking with Jesus don't understand the things that we understood even before we were walking with Jesus. We get asked crazy questions. Jerry, these are, these are nuts. We get asked, now that I'm a Christian, can I go to church? We get asked, do I have to call ahead and let them know I'm coming? Do I have to make a reservation? How much will it cost me to go to church? We got asked, this is one of the craziest ones to me. Hey, Jesus is really interesting to me. Is there a book I could read? Wow. And the coach said, have you ever heard of the Bible? And the response was, well, I thought Bible just meant really important book, like the Bible for mechanics. The coach said, no, it's a very important book. There's a Bible about God's love for you that tells you how to... And I mean, so those are, we have to understand that this generation, they're not running to the church. Many of them don't even know that they've been invited. Wow. But you're reaching them right there where they are through the digital devices and they're coming to Jesus by the thousands. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're, we're actually um, next week, we're testing something. We've never had more than 400 and I think it's 454 people come to faith in a day. Next week, we've been challenged to see if we can see a thousand people come to Christ in, a, in one day. Huh. And so uh, uh, we're, we're setting that up right now, getting that ready to run and roll. And the reason we're doing it is because to get to our goals, we're going to have to scale that pace. And we need to understand how our marketing plays into that when we start to spend more money. And you need more coaches. So I kind of feel like I'm going to let my listeners know uh, what is the best way for them to contact you to become a coach, an online coach. Yeah. So if you go to groundwire.net slash coaching, there's an opportunity there. It shows you videos, interviews with some of our coaches, as frequently asked questions, or you can just start the process with the application. Groundwire.net slash coaching. Awesome. And then if they want more information about your ministry, it is groundwire.net. Yeah. Or jesuscares.com is, uh, is another site that'll, that'll point you to it. One, one of the exciting things too, Jared, is that, man, I, I'm telling you, this is a God thing. We aren't smart enough to figure this out. There are times when God just says, okay, it's time for the fish to jump in the net. And that's what we're seeing. One of the things I didn't share with you, I shared about the growth this way of our impact and the number of people coming to faith. I did not share with you the number of, or, or the cost pers In our nation, we really don't talk about these things because it almost seems sacrilegious because it sounds like we're saying a soul is only worth X. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is if we're saying the right thing to the right people at the right time on the right platforms, we're going to see the trends go in the right direction. Our stewardship is going to get better, not worse. Meaning, you know, if we, if we launch a bad commercial that just doesn't resonate, 
it's not going to work. And therefore our costs are going to go in the wrong direction. So I, I know you get that, but so just to kind of give you a glimpse in uh, 2016, it costs us $141 and 16 cents all in to see somebody come to Christ. And again, somebody says, well, I've never even heard anybody talk about that. Is that a good number? Yes. Denominations have told me it costs them over $35,000 to see one person come to faith. So they were thrilled with the fact that we were at $141.18. Last year, we got that number down to $21.75. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I was just talking to a friend of mine just a couple hours ago. I thought it was $26 per person, but $21. Wow. $21.70. Yeah, sorry. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, Sean, I appreciate the time. I appreciate your ministry. I'm excited. Do you expect a lot more visits in the coming weeks ahead now that we're facing this national emergency? Yes. Yeah. Well, number one is whenever, whenever there's uncertainty, people are open. So Matthew 9, 35 to 38, Jesus said, culture is harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I think that we can look at our culture and say, wow, they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know where to turn. They don't know who to believe. Uh, there's confusion, all of these things. The very next thing he said is the harvest is ripe. When we find culture in chaos, people are more willing to consider and respond to the claims of Christ than when church is comfortable. And so because of that, and because of the fact, I just read something three minutes before we started that indicated that people are staring at their social media devices more right now because of all of these things that are going on in, in culture and because they're having to stay home more. Right. I believe this is the time for the church to shine the brightest than ever before. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples the Great Commission, promising them the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. With the Holy Spirit as your teacher, Jared Lasky developed a new Bible study journaling system that is sure to equip you in your adventure with God. The Spirit Empowered Journal offers life-changing steps that will enhance your biblical studies. This journal will not only help you know how God spoke in the scripture, but also what he is speaking to you now. This is an incredible approach to Bible study, empowering your spiritual journey. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit and understanding of the scriptures will increase as you use the Spirit-Empowered Journal. Buy your paperback copy on Amazon.com or FirebornMinistries.com. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation and adventures in the spirit. We hope that this podcast encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. You can stay up to date with Fireborn Ministries by going to our website, firebornministries.com and like us on Facebook. And may you have your own adventures in the spirit. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 5.50% APY on an 8-month CD special or 5.00% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC.